to start us off with a, just a quick little story from my own family. Um, so when my, my son was younger, he was five years old, he's now 19, um, he had a, we found, or my wife found a junk drawer. So he had this little drawer and he had all of these different items in there. And so uh, my wife used to, to blog, she blogged as the kids were growing up. And so I want to share with you guys just a couple, couple things. And so we see this junk drawer and it's just got a bunch of junk in it. And so my wife is like, like, Peyton, why do you have all this junk in your drawer? It's just a bunch of trash. Why don't you just go ahead and throw it away? And so he begins to take each piece out and explain why this isn't junk. This is kind of cute. And so Elissa says, why are you keep, keeping these things, these little things that are on the hangers that tell you what size the clothes are in the clothing stores? Peyton says, so I can pretend they're pencil sharpeners. Like, that's a really good thing to do. Um, this one is, why are you keeping a pistachio nutshell in your junk drawer? And she says, well, mom, don't you know that's my mouse bowl? And I'm thinking, we have mice now? Like, I didn't even know we had mice. Then he says, uh, why, she says, why are you keeping this toilet paper roll? And that, that actually might be worth something one day. Um, uh, he says, because it's my kaleidoscope. And then, I love this, why are you keeping this card? And my son Peyton says, mom, just read what it says. And she says, I read it. See, mom, it's from Mima, and I don't want to forget who she is. Is that such the cutest thing? Now, Mima, Mima's here today, so um, that is really cute. And then she says, what are you keeping this strip of cardboard for? And he says, for my elephant tusks. This, this is like, are you kidding me? And then uh, why are you keeping these weird glasses that are broken? Mom, so I can do this. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, yeah. So what do you think? I think I had a good, he had a good explanation for everything and to think I would have thought it all to be trash. Now, as I, I tell that funny little story, you know, first of all, um, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? But, but Elissa went into it with this thought process of this is just a pile of junk. But once she got to kind of hear the story behind it, she realized this isn't really junk. This, well, we still thought it was junk, but uh, to him it wasn't. And let me suggest to you that all of us have a junk drawer in our lives. And that drawer that we kind of, you know, maybe we hold on to some things, and it's a junk drawer, but God is doing something to redeem the junk in your own life. He's a God of hope, He's a God of power. He's a God that redeems. And so as we start this message, as she was judging his junk drawer, he had, there was so much more going on there. And as we start this message on do not judge, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about Jesus saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. And he's speaking to his disciples and around the disciples are some religious leaders. And the religious leaders, they have a junk drawer and it's full and it's full of real junk. And they've got self-righteousness, jealousy, greed, lust, and they've got this junk drawer. But what they're doing is they're looking at everyone else's junk drawer and they're pointing out everybody else's flaws and they're hypercritical. And the result of that is that they totally miss it. They miss their own stuff in their life. In fact, 
I'm just going to jump right into uh, the message today. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, you can flip your phone. You know, no one has a flip phone. You can take your smartphone and you can pull that out however you have your Bible today. And I want to go ahead and start with Jesus's words. He says, do not judge or you too. Oh, sorry. Good job. Uh, Luke's got me. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So he says, listen, don't, be ju don't judge or you too will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to use. You realize like when you point the finger, you've got three point fingers pointing back at you. And so when you judge and with the measure you use, you're setting yourself up now to be judged. And so he's talking to these religious leaders and to people who have a heart who are judging people and they're not really caring and loving on people. So he continues on. And I love that Jesus uses another illustration. Remember last week? He used the illustration of the birds of taking care of us. He used the illustration of the birds and the lilies of the field. Jesus, again, is using a picture, a word picture, for them to understand what he's trying to communicate. So he says in verse, verses 3 through 5, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now I have just got to just stop here for a second. Do you realize Jesus is actually being very funny here? I mean, he, if you think about it, he's saying, listen, You've got this big log in your eye. You've got a plank in your eye. You've got this big piece of wood sticking out of your eye. And so then what you're doing is you're trying to pull the, the little speck of sawdust out of your brother's sister's eye. What are you doing? So what I want to do is I, I wanted to actually, per actually illustrate this so you guys got to. So this is kind of maybe similar to what Jesus was talking about, okay? And so, so what I'm going to do is I don't know if I'm strong enough to actually hold it. So I'm actually going to just do this. Um, sit in the front row at your own risk. That's why no one ever sits in the front row. And so here I've got, I'm going to step on an iPad here. And so here I have, and I'm down here, and I've got a, a plank in my eye. And so what he's using, he's like, there's a picture, there's a plank sticking out of my eye. Now, I want you guys to understand this because there's some real practical things that Jesus is saying here. The first thing is this. If I've got a plank sticking out of my eye, how's my vision? Awful. I can't see a thing. I think I can see, but I can't, I can't see a thing. Here's another thing that's going on. If, if I've got a plank in my eye, what's happening with the relationships around me? I'm keeping everyone at a distance. When we have this kind of this judgmental, self-righteous, hypercritical attitude towards others, what we essentially are doing is we're keeping people far from us. We're not allowing them to see our own hearts because realistically, the reason why we have judgments is because we've got our own self-condemnation in our hearts. 
And so this is a, sometimes judgmentalism is a protective thing. It's to keep other people away from me. Can I also tell you this? And, and, and people, you know, as he's, this plank is heavy. This log, it's heavy. It gets exhausting judging people all the time. It's one of those things you gotta keep up. And so if you look, as you look at the plank, it's just like, man, Jesus, and, and I mean, he's using this awesome illustration of a plank. I just wanna see if I can do it. I'm gonna do it in front of you guys. If I miss, I love you guys. I'll tell your families I love, I'm just kidding, I won't do it. Um, but do you see that Jesus, one, is being, again, he's using hyperbole and he's using a funny illustration but it makes tons of sense that he doesn't call us to judge. Now, he's, he, he's talking about hypocrites, and, and then he says, listen, if you, you're trying to remove the speck of sawdust from your brother's eye. Now, think about that. If you've got this plank, you're not even looking at all the junk in your own life. And all you can do is focus on everybody else's sin and their mistakes and their weaknesses. But he does call us to kind of pull that speck of sawdust. There's times in our lives, like Christians, and in fact, not Christians, but non-Christians will use this passage and will even quote this passage, even if they don't know the Bible. And they'll use the passage to basically justify any sort of lifestyle, and any sort of behavior. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, Jesus is calling us to love others, and we can still love others and still disapprove of their actions in their life. Let me hear that. I want you to hear that again. We can still love, love others, and we can accept people for who they are, but still disapprove of their lifestyle and their behavior. And that's something I think we need to understand as Christians. In fact, if you go on um, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, he actually says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw my, your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So basically, he says, Do not judge. But then he gives a passage where he's calling us to be discerning that, hey, listen, don't throw the, you know, don't bring the gospel to someone who's not going to listen or don't bring something valuable to somebody who's just going to trample on it. He's using, he's saying, it's, it's, it's important to be discerning. It's important to make good judgments. But if I'm going to go to Langdon's eye, I'm going to say, Langdon, there's some stuff in your life, man, I got to talk to you about. And you're going to go, and he says, to pick the speck of sawdust out of your brother's sister's eye. Yesterday, Elissa is in the bathroom, and she's like, I've got something in my eye. I don't, I don't know what it is. And I can't, and I'm like, here, let me. And I, I go in there like a bull in a china shop and I start grabbing. She's like protecting herself. Like, what are you doing? What are you? So, so when you go to gently take something out of somebody's eye and to point something out to them, you want to do it gently. You want to do it softly. You want to do it with great care. And so as followers, and we're going to hear about this a little bit later in the message, as followers of Jesus, we are called to hold each other accountable. That's important. But the basis of that is love and grace. And so what I want to do today um, is I want to share with you guys how to make a, a right judgment. 
that, yeah, we're not called to be judgmental, but we are called to make a right judgment. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you a, a few points here. The first thing is, is that never judge superficially. Jesus is calling, when he says, do not judge, he's calling us not to judge superficially. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, it's interesting that Jesus himself was judged by the religious leaders. And he was judged by people that misunderstood him. You've got the son of God, perfect, sinless, never made a mistake on this earth. And you've got people that actually called him demon-possessed. They said he just hung around with sinners all the time. And so they, they just, they judged him always. And so in John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. I love that because we know how to do that in our culture. We judge by appearances. We judge by the, what a, this person affiliates themselves with or how they dress or what they look like. And it's like, man, that's not how God has called us. He wants us to make a, a right judgment. He looks at people's hearts. And I know, for my, I know for a fact that I have been judged incorrectly before. In fact, I met a, um, there was a woman in our church and uh, I'll just tell the story. I'm, I'm in Spring, Spring Lake. I'm actually not in the lake itself. I'm walking around Spring Lake. And I look and there's a woman and she's got two golden doodles. And so I'm a total dog person. I've got this little miniature golden doodle at home. He's my best friend. And so every time I see a golden doodle, I'm like, oh man, are those golden? So I, I walk up to this lady and I go, are those golden doodles? And I'm kind of petting them and stuff. And she goes, yes, they are. And then she goes, you're my pastor. And I look up and it's a woman that used to go to our church. She's moved out of the area since then, but she used to go to our church. She goes, you're my pastor. And I go, oh, hey, how's it going? And we start talking. I'm like, you got beautiful dogs. And this is really, and we have this really neat interaction. And then I continue on in my walk. Then I get a, an email about three days later. And I want you to read, I want to illustrate the point of judging by mere appearances. So I get this email. Hi, Billy. It was nice crossing paths with you the er earlier this week at Spring Lake. That said, I have a confession to make. When I first saw you heading towards my doodles and me, I did not recognize you and judged you unfairly. I think it was the hoodie and sunglasses. <laughs> She's making me sound like I was like the Unabomber or something, man. I'm like, I have another confession. I had my free hand in the pocket of my fleece with my finger on the trigger of my pepper spray just in case this guy heading toward me and my dogs had bad intentions. She's going to pepper spray me. Then you said, are these doodles? At the same time, I noticed your bridge sweatshirt and recognized your voice. I mean, I'm like, really? Do I? If that wasn't the hand of God poking me with conviction, I don't know was. And she just talked about feeling bad. And I'm like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? This is really good material for my sermons. <laughs> 
And I just thought about that. How often do you just see somebody and, and you don't know their situation? You don't know what they're going through. You don't, I've done this before. You see the homeless guy and he's got a sign. And sometimes my first reaction is, well, he, obviously he's a drug addict. Obviously he's, um, you know, he's lazy. And I can have this judgmental attitude until the time that I was homeless for, for a little while. And I remember that feeling of it was outside of my control and it was outside of my circumstances. And at that point, I, you, you realize, hey, you don't know what this person's story with. And when you start to stop looking at people superficially and stop judging them hypocritically, what happens is that God begins to show you things about that person and their story, and you begin to now look at them with empathy. Because I think Jesus looked at people with empathy. In fact, there's this Greek word called splanknizomai, or splanknizomai. It means from the gut. And when God would look at the crowds, he would have this splanknizomai, and the, the Bible translates it as compassion. And he would have this compassion on the crowds. He cared about people. And so it's hard to care about people and really love them if we're judging them. You know, when we're we're judging by mere appearance. There's a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 where Saul is the king of Israel, but he's really messing up with God. And so God's like, I've rejected you, Saul, as my king. He's still king, the king, but Samuel, the prophet now, has to go to Jesse's house to go anoint the next king. And so God says, okay, you know, go to Jesse's house and the next king's gonna be there. And so Jesse has eight sons, and so he goes down the line, and Samuel sees one son. He goes, man, he's strong, he's tall. That must be the king. And he goes down, and he literally thinks he's going to anoint every single one of these seven brothers, and yet he doesn't anoint. God says, not, that's not the one. And so Samuel the prophet says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? He's confused. And he says, oh yeah, I got a little son. He's the youngest of them all. He's little David. He's a shepherd boy. He's taking care of the stinky sheep. That's the one. And he says, bring him to me. And Samuel anoints David to be the next king. What I love about this verse, you guys, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him in regards to David's brothers. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so I love that. God looks at your heart. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. And so we don't then judge people. And we don't make stereotypes about people. And we don't say, well, he's blonde, so he must be smart. No, I'm just kidding. Like, you know that. <laughs> oh, she's, she's really beautiful and super quiet and doesn't talk to anybody. She must be obviously conceited. That's funny when I always tell the story about meeting my wife. She was beautiful and quiet. And I'm like, she must be conceited. And I'm like, no, she's not. She's got an amazing heart once I got to know her. You know, we, we can just make these stereotypical judgments and it dishonors God, it hurts relationships, and then it keeps you 
from meeting somebody and learning somebody's story that might bless you in return. And so don't judge superficially. Can I just say too, I think we do this sometimes with, with churches. We can judge superficially or we can hear about a church in town that did this from another person and they, had, they have like the telephone thing where it's like it's gone through five different people and then it gets to you and you hear this thing about the church and next thing you know, you make a big judgment about the church. And can we just as a church, as the bridge, can we be, can we be a church that champions and rejoices with and prays for other Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches in our city. That's what we want to be. We don't, we don't want, we're not in competition here. There's 500,000 people in Sonoma County, and so we're not in competition. And if, if somebody decides, you know what, there's a church down the street that's going to fit my needs better, and they're teaching the gospel, and they're lifting up Jesus, and they're teaching out of the Bible, you know what, then I want to bless you in that. But we're going to be a church that's going to be known for our love for, for other believers. And the Bible says, and Jesus said himself, that it's, peop, it's our love for each other that's gonna draw people to Jesus. So the more that we can love each other. The second thing I wanna share with you guys is, is Jesus says, you know, never judge hypocritically. Never judge hypocritically. Matthew 7, three through five, you can go back into your uh, Bibles again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, again, they're speaking to the Pharisees. And one of the greatest illustrations of what Jesus is saying is from John chapter eight, where there's a story where there's a woman who is caught in the act of adultery by these Pharisees. And they bring her before Jesus. They throw her on the ground. They say, Jesus, the law of Moses says to stone her. And what do you say, Jesus? And Jesus knows the only reason that they grabbed her, they just want to trap Jesus. They're just trying to get Jesus in trouble. And Jesus is much smarter than them. And so he says, well, listen, if there's anyone here that's never sinned, they can be the first to throw the, the first stone. And the Bible says that they actually, sorry, I just want to, okay. Um, so what happens is that he says, the oldest begin to drop their stones to the youngest, and they begin to drop their stones and then Jesus is there with the woman, and I imagine he just stoops down. He says, is there anyone here to condemn you? She goes, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now, go and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. And this is what I love about what Jesus just said. He says, I give you, offer you my grace and my love, and I accept you right where you're at but I care enough about you that I don't want you to stay that way. Now go and live your life of sin. So basically Jesus is making a judgment statement, but his judgment statement is based on his love for the person. It's a perfect, perfect picture of what God calls us to do. Now, can I just, I'm gonna go back to the story in John chapter eight for a second, because here's the deal. The Pharisees, let me ask a question here. The woman is caught in the act of adultery. 
what are the Pharisees doing walking around looking through people's windows? Think about it here. The very thing that they are, they're trying to condemn her with are the very things I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, I think these Pharisees struggle, struggle with sexual sin. I do. Because you wouldn't just be walking around looking at people's windows trying to find them. But he, they do. And oftentimes, we condemn people for the very things that we struggle with. I do this all the time, right? It's like the person who cuts me off on the freeway. You are an idiot. And then <laughs> I'm more aware of how bad of a driver I am with, when my wife's in the passenger seat. I don't know if that's kind of similar to you, but I think I'm like speed racer and I'm just cutting through. I'm just having a good time and everybody loves me on the road. And then <laughs> Elissa's like, did you realize you just almost hit that person? You know, like she just kind of like gently points out the fact that I'm a horrible driver. And uh, so that's something you can pray for me about. But I'm judging other people, you know? That person's so rude. I can't believe they would say that. Then you realize you're being rude. You know, I, I, whatever the case is, a person is so arrogant and so prideful and then I find myself saying something to kind of elevate myself and trying to create a better image for that. And I, and I find myself being arrogant. Maybe you do the same thing. And so God calls us to not judge superficially. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says, You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment to do the same things. Isn't that a great verse? You're passing judgment. You do the same things. Uh, there's this great quote by Craig Rochelle. He says, the place where you issue your harshest judgment often reveals your deepest weakness. And you think about the bully, right? The bully who's just, you know, bullying that person, but inside they've got this huge insecurity in their hearts. And so do not judge superficially. The third thing that I want to talk to you about making a right judgment is never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Now, some of you are going to, right off the bat, you're going to disagree with me on this. And you go, what are you saying? What I'm saying is not that we, we, we say that whatever non-Christian, whatever they do is okay. But there's this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where there's a, a young guy and he starts sleeping with his father's wife, which was essentially his, um, his mother, his stepmother. And the church was okay with it. And so basically they're like, hey, ex expel this guy from the church. And the purpose of expelling him and judging him in that instance was to really draw him back to repentance and to God. But there's, there's this passage in there and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? He's asking a rhetorical question. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. And so we are called to hold people to a standard that if you call yourself a follower and a disciple of Jesus, you better believe that we're gonna hold each other accountable. But some people that are Christians, they are so blown away by the fact that that people are not living a Christian lifestyle until they are met with the Savior, until God 
captures their heart. They're not going to live like, can you believe that they're living together before they get married? Yeah, I can believe that. They're not Christians. Can you believe they talk that way? Yeah, I actually can believe it because, listen, they haven't been met with the Savior and he hasn't changed their hearts yet. Can you believe that? Like, yes, I can. And so how do we approach that? And, and, and actually, if you want to go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a really good approach to that. But here's the thing. My, my point is this, is that, um, you know, we can, we can judge people outside the world. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that there are certain things that we can just call wrong and sin. And, and I'm not saying that we don't make judgment calls on stuff. But when it comes to people in our lives that don't know Jesus, how are they going to get to know him if, if they just feel judged by us all the time? That we just need to love them. I think about, you know, Westboro Baptist Church is a good example of what I'm talking about, where they're constantly judging everybody outside and they're actually pushing people away from the gospel. But listen to this passage in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It's, it's a continua continuation of what I just uh, read in the previous point. Verse four of Romans two. For do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It wasn't his judgment. It was his kindness that led you into a relationship with him. And so he calls us now to love others and to help them. James chapter two, mercy triumphs over judgment. There's this great quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer from The Cost of Discipleship. It says, judging others makes us blind, whereas love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. And so when I come from a stance, you know, I remember there was a guy I was having a conversation with out on the pickleball court. I'm sharing my faith. You guys are like, I'm so sick of hearing about pickleball. But this is where I'm doing ministry, right? Um, and this guy, he's like, he's like, you know what? Don't, don't preach to me about that stuff. And he's kind of be, you know, he's being a little salty with me. And I go, listen, here's the difference between you and I. I've accepted and received God's forgiveness in my life. That's it. I'm coming from this state of grace. Like I'm a beggar telling other beggars where to find food. That's my heart. And, and, and yeah, does that, does that mean that sometimes people are living a different way and they're living and, I, and, and their, their, their behavior is different? Yeah. And do I approve of that? No. But how are we gonna reach people if we're always judging them? Number four is always help restore fallen believers. So now this is within the church, somebody that finds themselves in sin. Galatians chapter six, verses one and two. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Again, that word gentle again, right? But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so we are called to restore that person gently, but be careful. Now, there's two kind of interpretations to the Galatians 6 here. The one is that we may fall into the same temptation as the person. And so you're helping somebody who's struggling with pornography. And you're like, I, I'm going to be careful, with it, but I'm going to pray for you. But you got to be careful, right? You don't want to stumble back into that sin. 
Well, the other interpretation of this is that you may find yourself kind of on a pedestal looking down your nose, judging this person as they are going through a struggle. And so we don't ever want to put ourselves in this position. We're like, hey, we're high and mighty and holier than you. No one's going to be helped by that. In fact, Galatians tells us how we're supposed to be helped. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we're called to to help each other, to pray with, to love others that are going through temptations and struggles and addictions, to walk with them through that, to be there and to be a presence in the midst of their struggle. So always help restore fallen believers. You know, um, we break this command every time we see the worst in others, when we speak only of others' faults, when we focus only on people's worst moments, when we forget that we also will be judged, that we, we break those commandments. And so again, hear me, guys. We are called to judge. We are called to discern. We are, are called to, to make a right judgment. But before you make a judgment on that person's life, have you listened to them? Have you heard their story? Have you, have you checked your own heart and said, Lord, what are some areas of my life that's coming up that I wanna be able to confess to you because you're a God of grace and have forgiven me of so much? And so as people see that kind of love and that compassion in our hearts, they will be drawn to Jesus. As we enter into um, communion today, I love this passage. I was sitting in my chair, I was just kind of praying through the message and thinking about it. And then this passage came up and it was absolutely perfect for today. And it's absolutely perfect for communion. So um, we're gonna be partaking in communion and communion is something that Christians have been doing for over 2000 years that when Jesus was on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he used it as an example of his body that would be broken as a symbol of his body. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood and this is my blood that's poured out for you. And so it's a sign of the new covenant of God's grace in our lives. And so we're gonna take that. And and by the way, communion is for Christians. And so if you're not a Christian here today and you're checking this whole thing out, I wanna say welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you you care enough about your life to check this out. But this would would be for for followers of Jesus. And so um, during the next song, the last song, you can stand up and there's four tables around the auditorium with the communion elements and you can come back and then we'll, we'll take the communion elements together. But I wanted to, to lead into communion with this passage that Jesus said. So what's the most famous passage in all of the Bible? Thank you. John 3.16, you got that right. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, do you know what John 3.17 says? Jesus says this. And it applies to what we're talking about today. He says, I did not, the son did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. His purpose was not to come in and point fingers at everyone. His purpose 
was to realize that we would have junk drawers of our lives and there was no way for us to clean those junk drawers out. And so he comes and he dies on a cross, sheds his blood. He experiences the judgment from God that we deserve so that we can experience freedom. And now we can live in this freedom and this hope and this new life. And we can now invite others who haven't experienced that into the same new life. And we do it with hope and enthusiasm and excitement because we've been met with the love of God. And so that's, that's our heart today. And if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, can I just reiterate that? He did not come into this world to judge you. He came into this world to save you. And he wants to save you right now. And you just simply in your heart just say, Jesus, come into my life. I receive your gift on the cross for my forgiveness. I receive that gift right now. I'm gonna invite you through prayer right now uh, to, to pray that. Father, thank you that you, we had, you had every right to judge us, Lord. In our sin and in our brokenness and in our rebellion, Lord, we were separated from you. But God, because of your great love, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so we could be forgiven, so we can have eternal life. And Lord, you validated your death on the cross and everything you did when you rose from the grave on the third day. And so we praise you and we thank you. And I wanna pray for anyone here that's never received you into their life that today they would say, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I confess my sin to you and I receive your forgiveness. Father, as, as believers, I pray that, Lord, you would fill us with your spirit, that we would have great discernment, that we would be able to make right judgments, but that, Lord, we wouldn't be characterized by our judgmental attitude towards others, but we would be characterized by our love for others. God, help us to become a more loving church in your name. Jesus name. Amen.